0: Habakkuk is one of those in the minor prophets. That's an Old Testament book. So y'all be turning there, chapter one. I'll go on and admit to you, I don't really hear any pages turning. And so I'll wait um, until everyone has a chance to get there. I know it's a little harder to find. It's after Nahum. and uh, It's in the minor prophets, not in that it is any less of a prophecy or less important or pertinent to us, but that it's simply shorter. Um, that's why we call them a minor prophet. So the book of Habakkuk. We're going to be reading in, uh, in chapter 1. I think it's useful for us as we've we spent, we've spent a, a pretty good amount of time in the New Testament. It's really good for us to go back and forth and, and hear from, from God's Word in the Old Testament if none other reason than the reality that so much of the New Testament contains the Old Testament. And, uh, and it really leads us through a journey in which Christ is the climax. And so it is so useful for us to read from Habakkuk. And just to give you a little background before we get started, as you're still turning there, um, Habakkuk really, he lived in a tumultuous time. This is in a time where he witnessed uh, the, the split of Israel into the northern and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom of Israel had already been overtaken by the Assyrian Empire, uh, which was a... a you know, a, a pagan, ruthless uh, government in which the Babylonian Empire soon overtook them and uh, which is just uh, really the epitome of, of paganism and things like that that would be later mimicked in some of the Greco and Roman culture. But uh, so a lot of just disruption in the world in which they lived and the nations round about them and a lot of uncertainty in the midst of that, there is just loads of, of sin going on about those people that remained here in the remaining southern kingdom of Israel called Judah. And so that's the context, hopefully, that, that gives you a little bit of, a, of an idea as we dive into His Word. And so those of you, if you're there in Habakkuk chapter 1, you can let me know by standing as we read in God's Word together. I'll read the first 11 verses. the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou will not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, And judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe though it be told to you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat." They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand, and they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Lord, let let us pray together. Lord, we, we thank you that we have this word from you through this prophet of yours, Habakkuk. We ask that you work and speak to us through this. Lord, as you draw us along to accurately apply these words from so long ago to our condition we're in even now, Lord, I pray that whatever we're bringing with us this morning, whatever whatever stress, whatever gladness, whatever condition or circumstance, Lord, whatever our state of relationship is before you this morning, Lord, I pray that you ready our hearts for this word today. Lord, that we can take it with us, apply it fully in light of all you have accomplished in Jesus Christ and Lord, that you would give us something that we would each be equipped to take a word to our community round about us. Lord, that we would be able to spread the good news of the gospel and the glory of our God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, you all can be seated. <clears throat> so Habakkuk is an interesting book we'll find. Um, the way I intend to handle this, you can follow along in your bulletins. As always, fill in the blank is, is there to help us engage. And there's really two portions to the, to the section of Scripture that we're reading this morning. And that's simply Habakkuk's prayer as he opens up and, and he bears his heart. And then we see the Lord's response. And those are just the two sections that we're going to cover this morning. And so to jump right in, first, it's easy to see that Habakkuk shows a remorse for sin. There is a condition within Judah that, that so plagues his heart. Um, we We know the judgments that befell Israel and they how they had forsaken all these things. Now we see even in the southern kingdom that one that God promised that he would fulfill his covenant to Abraham, Abraham through Judah. even they have gone astray. Habakkuk doesn't see anything. there's no one left that's worshiping God. there's violence and just all of this, iniquity and grievance and spoiling. And so at the start, and that's that first sub-point, if you didn't catch that, he shows a remorse for sin. And just to clarify, I'm going to give three, I think we should see three things in Habakkuk's prayer and we should see three things in the Lord's response. The first in Habakkuk is that remorse for sin, namely public sin. The state of the world around him, he mourns it. This is a prophet who speaks as he's looking out upon a nation who's become filled with sin and is frankly unrecognizable as the nation that God has called and set apart and even called into the land of Canaan, which they in which they dwell, this land of promise. And so all of Jerusalem, which is down there in the city of Jerusalem, is where, you know, uh, or is inside of Judah. They were all turned aside. None of them were were following the statutes of the Lord. They had taken the pagan gods of the nations around them and even intermarried. There was no differentiation between them and those around them, the nation around them. Um, And the people of Judah had really worked to squelch those spiritual reforms that happened just a few short years before. There was King Josiah. As we, If we were to do a, a study of the history of the kings, we see King Josiah tore down the high places and he reinstated the Lord's commands and had them follow him. And we're not just a few short years after his death. These All these reforms were, were not lasting. Judah had forsaken them all in light of Habakkuk's writing here. And so... This torn moral fabric led to the rapid disintegration of their society as a whole as they they began to embrace immorality, greed, deception, hatred, injustice, hypocrisy, oppression, and so much more. I mean, it just abounds. He is torn with what the people of God have become or the lack thereof of the people of God, the lack of evidence that there was a people of God. Now, before we just dive into a, a history lesson, I, I want us to take a minute and make sure that we're applying this fully and correctly. And please, I I hope that you all don't think that the baby is is hurting us at all. I cherish his his interruptions. Yes, so you are more than welcome with a crying baby. I've been there four times before. So, I want to make sure that we're asking that question. Can we relate to this today? As we look out in in our world, um, round about us, our news channels are filled with terrorism, murder, modern day slavery and this rampant, Human sex trafficking ordeal that is going on worldwide. Um, We see oppression, racism, uh, political scandal, spiritual depravity, social degradation. I think we're suffering the same just degradation of our society as a whole that perhaps they saw, and downright moral insanity when we look at just even the base of morals, not even talking about Christianity, um, are, are you all aware of that, of what's going on around us? Are we aware as Christians? And if we are, do we have such remorse for the sin that's going on right under our noses? And, and, and I want to press that right in our county These things are going on. I assure you. Um, And I know how exhausting that is. A lot of us don't even watch the news anymore because it's the same thing. It's information overload. We realize it's terrible. We don't like it, but what can we do about it? Let's turn it off. I've got more important things that need to get done today, perhaps. But I think that as Christians, we should be not just aware, oh, that there's a sinful fallen world and oh, that these terrible things are going on, but that we should be engaged, no matter how distraught or remorseful that we become in light of these things. Um, And like Habakkuk, we lament. I think that's the proper response is to lament, to mourn over this condition that our world is in, that, that, that we, see, uh, we see pornography within probably every one of the workplaces around us. Hopefully it has not invaded our homes or the, um, e- even pedophilia. And and Lord knows the the possibility of human sex trafficking in our own midst and and these different things, certainly um, scandal, political scandal, and spiritual depravity, but we need to be engaged with this. It's It's not okay for us to have just a general disposition of doom and gloom, but that we lament in prayer the way that we see Habakkuk did. And so in that, whenever we are able to recognize the reality, the full weight of a, of a situation, and then respond by taking it to the Lord, I think that we're exercising great faith. And that leads us to the second point, when we look at Habakkuk's prayer as honest expression We've touched on this before. Many, we can recall the way that Moses, it was said Moses spoke to God as with a friend. But, and we looked at that, that's a great, wonderful pattern. And I say pattern because I, I'm finding more and more that's less of an exception and more of a pattern. That, that whenever I see the prophets like Habakkuk and, and then there's Moses and, and really all of those that, that I seem to think are so close to God in the scriptures, Man, they have this just, they are pouring out their heart honestly. They are questioning boldly. They are telling God the ways in which their faith is being shaken. And they're resting upon him and going to him honestly in prayer. We can do that. We need to quit going through the motions whenever we enter into prayer life or even our spiritual walk and stop treating our conversations with God like we're at an interview. Like, well, I'm doing pretty good. Here are the ways in which I'm a good Christian. You know, um, it's not so good here, but you know, you're not going to find anybody else doing so good there either. Um, Let me just, you know, promote myself before you and show the ways in which I've earned your grace. Uh, And I know I don't deserve it, but neither does anyone else. Like, like, quit treating it like an interview and bear your heart to God the way we see in the prophet here this morning to say, man, what is going on? You're not, look at this. Are you not? I mean, you're showing me all this evil. So now I see it. Now I can't get it out of my mind. I'm having trouble sleeping at night or perhaps this sin has invaded my home. Perhaps that if your home is like mine, you've suffered in patience, anger, or lust, or greed, or, or or envy, or any of these other grave sins. And then Habakkuk says, honestly, here you are, the God of the universe, and you do nothing. Do we pray like that? Are we that honest? When we we go to God and we say, where are you? That's one of the things that was so gripping about that book that that we're going to uh, go through together and discuss is the fact that we have that freedom to ask God, where are you amidst this fallen and sinful condition? The reality is, is he knows you. You're not fooling anyone when we go to God in prayer. He knows how jacked up my life and my heart is. He knows the arguments that I have with my wife. He knows the times that I just struggle and think, man, why can't I get this parenting thing down? He sees it. I'm not fooling anyone. And so we go honestly before God in prayer and I'm convinced we need to seek out his ways when we do that and we ask God honestly where are you at God I just don't see it what are you doing what is the point we've looked at Job Wednesday nights and I've given mention of these it seems to be uh, maybe you're realizing the same pattern I didn't uh, you know I thought we'd be easing up like hey man let's let's tone it down some of this let's go read something in the old testament and then I get to Habakkuk And God says, there's a pattern. And perhaps whenever we go to God this honestly, we should be searching out His ways so that whenever God tells us in His Word through Isaiah that my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, maybe that is less to establish a separation between us and God and more... Of a petition to come and know the ways of our God and Father. And so maybe we're being drawn along to a correct understanding of God so that we can learn to rely upon Him in such an honest way. The third thing that I see when we come into Habakkuk's prayer, and we're gonna get more, there's more of a dialogue that's gonna take place and we'll cover in the next two weeks. But we see that he demonstrates a reliance upon God. That's what he's doing. He's saying, man, this is out of control. This situation is what can be done, but not that it's hopeless. I think I can say with honesty that no situation, none of our situations are hopeless that is the message of the good news. That is the gospels that we have as Christians, we have hope. And so does every hopeless person in and of themselves. They've got hope that's been given down straight from God. When you come to trust in a God this big, we we know where to turn for answers. When we meet these situations and we say, Man, I you know, uh the, this relationship I can't get through, or this co-worker of mine, man, I can't get along with, or man, I just can't get them to to realize the gospel in their own life. Or what what whatever it is, you know, we, we know where to turn because he's he's got the power. I see this pretty often. Uh, I've heard it before, the frustration, you know, that people will have in their kids. You know, maybe they're playing a, playing a sports, you know, a ball game or something. Man, they get so frustrated. You know, I mean, wow. Like, I know they can do this. I know, you know, they, they know what to do. They know the move. They know how to get around this. Or when the boys are doing judo, man, you know this. You know this pin. Just do it. It's, we, we go over it time and time again, and it's frustrating because I know that they're capable or my goodness, when we talk about it's not just our kids, whenever we watch a you know a football game, our favorite sports team, or I don't know, or maybe a UK basketball game or something, and it's like, what are you doing? And and, and we, we get all excited about that. And I just find it interesting because then we come to prayer and we act as if, well, God just doesn't have the the, the power to overcome that evil in the world. It's just kind of a a tit for tat. We'll just see who comes out on the end. We think God's going to get them in in the last quarter. We ought to know that God has the full capacity to overcome every evil in this world, to redeem every situation. And we ought to speak to Him as such, looking and longing to Him specifically for God, where are you at? I know you've got this, and I have no choice but to rely upon you because you're the only one who can straighten this out. That's the sort of reliance that I think He calls us to. we got to know that we can't can't do it on our own. You know, I had a, a conversation, a long conversation with a woman some friends of ours um, and they were Jehovah's witness but at the end of the conversation we came to learn that how they came to be Jehovah's witness and it was one one lady who we, we loved dearly and she was in a period of mourning the death of a a, a a fiery car crash okay and she lost her father in and she could not fathom the purpose what is the reason? Where are you, God? And it was just too difficult to rely upon a powerful God that we don't always understand to work out all those things for the good of those called according to our purpose. We've, we've said that. And instead, she was consoled by the generic teaching in that church that maintained, well, that situation is just a simple matter of happenstance. That all of that, the death, and for that matter, I guess you could argue the life of her of her dad that she loved so much, well, it really was rather meaningless. What sort of comfort is that? I mean, I couldn't imagine. And so I I mourn for, for this woman. Our hope comes not in expecting relief not in having all the answers but it comes in an understanding of the God that we serve so a reliance upon God so verses 1 through four were that that that, that prayer of Habakkuk and we see pretty plainly a shift in the text whenever he's mourning therefore wrong judgments proceed in verse 5. Behold, ye among the heathen regard and wonder marvelously. I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told to you. We see a shift. Now the Lord answers. He speaks through the prophet. And before we dive into what that response is, Can we wait a minute and realize that that Habakkuk just cried out to God with such endless remorse, broken before the Lord, and extreme honesty that that some of us need to learn from, and and he has no other choice but to rely upon God? And then what happened? God answered. The Lord hears. Like, don't miss this, guys. The Lord hears us. How wonderful that, that Habakkuk cried out and God heard. Don't, don't lose the magnitude of such a reality. You know, God of the entire universe that's powerful to save, that he listens to us. I mean, is that not amazing? Do you right now that we can go before the throne of God? Listen, the, the, the most powerful display of this truth that God hears us is on display. Do you know where? Does anybody want to know Pat Sunday school answer? Come on. Where is this biggest display of God's listening to us? It starts with a J. Jesus. Let me tell you what happened at that day of crucifixion. The veil was torn. Specifically, what that means, the veil to the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, not the veil to the tabernacle, the veil to the sanctum sanctorum, the Holy of Holies, that innermost place that the presence of God stayed or came down in, and that a priest was only allowed to go into one time a year within the very presence of God. That veil, that which separated the people of God from the presence of God, was torn top to bottom all the way. The people are allowed in through one mediator, and that is the person, Jesus Christ. God hears us. He allows us in before His throne and we know we don't deserve it no yes we still need atonement no we cannot go on our own accord it's got to be through christ and through that atoning work that only he can do but he hears us and he so worked in a way that he made that available where i don't have ritual i don't have to repeat things over and again And, and i can go right before the throne through jesus christ please hear that the lord hears your prayer you a sinner Separated from God. Christ's death accomplished that for us. This means that unlike the idols, our God has ears that can hear and He has a mouth that can speak and respond. But beware, our second point is this, that He provides an unexpected answer That's that fill in the blank. It's an unexpected answer. It would have been nice if I left that blank off and said, he provides an answer, wouldn't it? That would have been great. It made for a lot better sermon. But he provides an unexpected answer. I'm just going to read a few verses again. He says, I'm going to do a work. You're not even going to believe this. I'm fixing to tell you what I'm going to do, but you're not going to believe it. And God says, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land and possess the dwelling places that aren't theirs. They're terrible, dreadful, their judgment and dignity shall proceed of themselves horses faster than leopards. Do you know who he's talking about? I would like to have had a map, but when he says the Chaldeans, that is the, the throne of that empire that Babylonian empire that I talked about that are so well known for their their riches, their wealth and their paganism. It's exemplified in later cultures in the you know, New Testament age, but here that's not what they're known for. Here they're known for being terrible. The Assyrians who were so ruthless in how they were couldn't withstand this Neo Babylonian empire that overtook them and God says oh I'll answer Habakkuk you're worried about the sin that has overcome the people of God they've turned away they've left my statutes I'm going to take care of it I'm going to send the Babylonians they're going to conquer you they're going to destroy every stronghold within the land that I gave the people oh boy that sounds like an answered prayer doesn't it You know, what would we expect if this is the first time that we read through Habakkuk? Oh, he's bearing his heart to the Lord, and, and he's just crying out to God, and he's going to answer them. Perhaps we would, have, uh, we would have understood and said, you know, God's going to raise up a leader among the people. That's what God was going to do, If had I asked that question. Perhaps maybe God would show himself in some magnificent work to draw the people back to him. Maybe that's what God was should have done, or, or we thought He could have done. Maybe, maybe He would simply outfit those. Oh, all the people—they're in such rebellion, and He's just going to, He's going to, He's going to grant them a work of repentance. He's going to convict them in their hearts. That's what's going to happen. And then what God says? He says, "No, I'll send the armies of Babylon, that pagan empire." Who overcame the empire, that, that laid waste to the northern kingdom Israel. What? I mean, is that not strike you all? I mean, is that not taken? I mean, does that not are you not taken aback by this a little bit? You see, it's, this doesn't really sound good. At first, it doesn't sound like this picture of redemption that we always see. Here we see God, He's effectively promising the fall of Judah. He's effectively exiling what is left of the people of God to a people that is not of God and and, and taking them back out of this land and giving that land to the people, a similar people as that He drove out. So I, I tried thinking through, you know, what, what could this be like? How could I possibly understand this? And I, and I don't feel that I can, but I guess in a vain attempt, imagine uh, getting ready to go on a long trip. And then, and then so we gather together. Perhaps we're going to go on a mission or something. We're going to take a trip to Honduras. And so we say, hey, we're going to come together and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our safety. We're going to pray God works. And then he gets us down there and he's going to do this thing. And so we have a prayer meeting. And guess what? Everybody shows up. Wouldn't that be the day? Everybody shows up at a prayer meeting. So then they do. And then we pray powerfully, God, we just want to see you work. We want your protection. We want you to get us down there to where we can do mission. We can do the work of God. We want to see you glorified. And then we walk out and we're going to head you know, we, we we go out in the parking lot because we've already planned right before we head out we're going to gather here and we're going to head to the airport and we're going to go and all four of our tires are flat. Boy, that's an answer prayer. What would that be like? Our ride, to, we can't even get to the airport. It, it's what it just takes the wind out of our sails. It is not the way we would expect God to answer that prayer. But we need to we need to ask ourselves: is this a bad thing or is this the will of God? Do we trust God's word that he works out everything for the good of those that are called according to his purpose? If, if you don't have that memorized, we, we seem to be mentioning that a lot. Mem- just memorize that from now on. Romans eight twenty eight. however your Bible reads, that, all, and we know all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Say it, say it again, memorize it. That is a good verse to have um, in our our data bank. But we need to wait and want to experience this peculiar movement of God among his people. The, The remainder of this text uses a lot of terrible metaphors horses swifter than leopards um, more fierce than evening wolves you know as we in, in our in our area we can we hear the coyotes yelping in the evenings and we can only imagine a pack of ravenous wolves you know, coming to devour us um, flying like eagles you know before their prey I, I mean i don't know if we have any youtubers in here but have seen those videos of them snatching 180 pound goats off the side of a cliff I mean terrible things that he compares this people that's going to overtake them it is ruthless and they are in battle they are lethal he talks about they scoff at the kings and princes some of the language here is saying that laying siege to a city is not an act of war, it is a matter of of a uh, standard operating procedure for this Babylonian empire. They do this regularly and with efficiency. There is no question with the tact that they'll pull this off. How could this possibly be uplifting to Habakkuk, let alone the people of Judah? That's not where we end. I want us to see, even amidst such a, Difficult and trying passage in response from the Lord. That last, that last fill in the blank. There is the Lord promises redemption. He promises redemption. You see, whenever he comes, he's giving an answer to Habakkuk. Habakkuk prayed, cried out to God, "How will you purify this people?" So when God says, "This is the thing that I will do," there is going to be a terrible time coming up upon you. He's addressing the people of Judah. He's not talking about it it's not a fortune cookie that that Babylon got that's better than the than the fortune that Judah got he's not addressing the people of Babylon he'll do that he God knows his plan he's addressing the people of Israel here Habakkuk is how I will handle my people and draw them back to myself this is part of a grand scheme of God he knows the end and, and so we're going to dive further into this next week. We've got enough to ponder already that the people of God, they do have hope. The Lord hears them. He answers. And when we discover this or realize this extreme depravity in the world around us, as we witness extreme misfortune and sin and all of this, as we ask for simple vision, just direction in life, what should I do? Uh, what about with this job or with this relationship or, 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 or whatever? Then, then we should remember God's promises. Just like every prophet before them is he's asking this in light of the promise. They're children. Even today, we could link ourselves with the Old Testament audience, not in covenant, but in in a generic way that we are children of the promise. God keeps his promises. He did, in fact, answer Habakkuk, and he has not failed to acknowledge their sinfulness. He hasn't said, I've changed my mind about you. He said instead, he said, oh, I'm going to bring a people, the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. And by the end of, of this short response here, he says, and then the mind of, of them shall change. So they sit over, they pass over, they offend, and they impute this power, all this siege, and this greatness of their military force, they'll attribute to themselves and to these lesser Gods that are not me, that are not true gods, that cannot hear you and do not speak back. And so the Lord does promise redemption. And and, and we cannot miss that. and, And we should experience this in much fuller sway. But we have got to be open to those surprises, to God answering in very difficult ways. I mean, this has happened in a lot of ways. And, even, and I'm not saying evil is going to befall us in all this distress. I mean, my goodness, we thought that we were at our limit with three boys and God said, here's a girl. God just took care of us in unexpected ways. But I want you to know we have been so blessed in ways that we just didn't understand. Um, has anyone here prayed that God would refine his church? Has anyone, is there anybody that's prayed for purity within, within the body of Christ? One? Maybe there's a few nods. I don't know. I'm not getting a whole lot of feedback this morning. I don't know if I've scared you or what. But should it surprise us then if we say, God, would you purify your church? Would you do a work in us would you, would you build us to full maturity that your word talks about? And, and then does it surprise us then that whenever the numbers get a little bit low and then the budget gets a little bit tight? Does that mean God has an answer on prayer? Or perhaps we're witnessing his hand at work in doing the very thing that we so need him to do. He often purifies his church in persecution shouldn't be a surprise that Christianity is scorned in the media, that it is often so wrongly understood. Uh, you know, we in our culture, and in, in all these things, I mean, you just dream up the ways. God, let, let, let his word speak to you personally this morning in the depths of your heart, in whatever's going on. Trust God in every uncertain thing and wait, wait and, and allow Him to move and to speak and to act and, and to lead in ways that you didn't plan for Him. Because he's, he's our God. He's our Lord. He directs our steps. And so I think we can trust Him. And so I'm going to go on and close in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You do answer us in our time of need. Father, we realize we, we look to Habakkuk and we realize this is a point in history in which we have the, the, the blessing of seeing the way that you've redeemed your people. We have the blessing of seeing the way that you have answered Habakkuk's prayer in, in a permanent and eternal way that you have permanently satisfied the sin of your people by sending your only Son. That, Lord, He suffered. He was punished because of our sins. Our sins aren't let go. You don't turn a blind eye, but the fullness of your wrath is executed in a far worse way than some army that could befall us and take our goods away. But, Lord, with Christ, you poured out the full wrath. Upon him for the sins and the punishment that we deserve. Father, I pray that you would act. If there's anyone that doesn't know that this morning, that they would just hear, that they would go to you and know that you hear. That they would come to trust in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm convinced there's some among us that we know this truth, we know it, we've accepted Christ but we're just not willing to accept Your answers to our prayer. And Lord, we resist, and I'm praying that You just break us down this morning and that You allow us to come honestly and openly before You and we wait and watch for Your hand at work in and among us, Lord. And ultimately that we don't see a work that is yet to be done, but we see a work that has been fully accomplished in the death, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. and Lord that we can live on with Him, in and through us. Lord, that is, we want that to be our identity. Here at new life. We want to experience new life in Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask all of this in His most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Preaching, sermons from New Life Baptist Church, where we grow in discipleship, grow in relationship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. Please subscribe so that you don't miss a Sunday.